0: Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one? It's the Politics Show podcast. Love podcast, hate nonsense. It's the Politics Show podcast. Yeah wow. Yes! Never gets easier saying that. This guy! That's right. Wow! Dave, where's was Ollie? Ollie's gone forever. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. He has been taken down, finally. Once and for all, and now we are the captains now.
1: What took him down?
0: (laughs) His opinions on race relations or something. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Gone. Um, Pro. Extremely, uh, too liberal. (laughs) He was too liberal for our podcast. Ava Santina, capital J journalist, butcher, extraordinaire. How are you?
1: Good afternoon, the filth.
0: (laughs) Good afternoon, the filth. Addressing (laughs) someone with the name The. Yeah. Doesn't sound right. Why not? I think it's because there's an article in front of it.
1: I think it sounds like you're in The Firm.
0: Yeah. Hello, The Firm.
1: Which is quite hot. Hello, The Butcher. Yeah.
0: Um, we're here to talk about premises questions.
1: We are. Can I tell a quick anecdote before we begin? Yes. On Monday night, we went drinking, a few of us, and at the table, there was this English guy who we hadn't met before who insisted. On doing an Irish accent in front of three Irish people. And it was the most excruciating thing I've had to sit through. It's still making my skin crawl. And just as a PSA, if you're thinking about doing that, don't do it. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that.
0: It's not endearing.
1: You wouldn't do it with any other accent. Maybe scouse. They like to do it with scouse, don't they? Some of these weirdos.
0: I didn't think, as someone with a no, an English accent. People like to do it a lot. Do they dare yeah. to do it with you? Yeah. And they're like, isn't this, listen to, my Scottish, listen to my impression of a Scottish person? And you're like, no, thank you. And then,
1: <laughs> <laughs> this guy did this at one point. He was telling the story. The Irish accents were, the Irish people in this whole story were not necessary. They didn't actually need to be in the story. Oh, it was like he
0: just, he just wanted to do the accent.
1: Yeah. It was a story about Sean Connery. And uh, so it was nothing to do with, yeah.
0: Was Sean Connery good?
1: Sean Connery was good.
0: Okay, that's one thing then.
1: Um, And, okay, just to give you a little flavor of what he did, like when he said, again, not needed in the story, he was talking about when they ordered a pint and he literally did this like, point. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, (laughs) oh my God.
0: (laughs) That's quite extraordinary. Um, I think that's a good PSA.
1: Yeah, you'd wake up with the fear and you should.
0: Oh, if you're listening Mr. Englishman. Don't do that. Never again. Um, Shall we do some PMQs? Yeah. First question. Madam Deputy Speaker, I would say that this treaty's got more holes in than the Swiss cheese, but I don't want to wind up the Prime Minister by talking about a European country again. Madam Deputy Speaker, you have to give credit to the Rwandan government. They saw this Prime Minister coming a mile off. You can only imagine their delight, their sheer disbelief when having already banked £140 million of British taxpayer money without housing a single asylum seeker, yeah. the Prime Minister appears again with another offer they can't refuse, a gimmick that will send taxpayers' money to Rwanda, refugees from Rwanda to Britain and won't stop the boats. It was mentioned of Margaret Thatcher earlier.
1: Yeah. How- understandable excitement about the mention of the name, but the House must listen to the leader of the opposition, Sir Keir Starmer.
0: go from up yours to laws to take our money, Kigami. This was the theme of Keir Starmer on Sunak, was criticising off the back of James Cleverly signing the treaty with Rwanda, mm-hmm. to kind of... Surmount the obstacles thrown up by the Supreme Court, saying you can't do that. They're saying, "Ha, no!" They promised, They promised they'll be fine, and then the government seems to think that will they'll, that, that that makes it that undoes all the obstacles to the Rwanda plan. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what were your thoughts on this interaction?
1: Well, it was a good thing to go off. But it's in it's also an interesting thing to go off because I don't think Labour have fully decided what they're going to do mm. about the Rwanda plan. If it were if it hypothetically were to get past Parliament, this new treaty and MPs voted on it or, you know, and it was to move forward. We'll tackle the Supreme Court side of this in a second. But if it if it were hypothetically to get into action, would Labour repeal it in their first term? Like we've never we've never heard that from Keir Starmer, mm. that he would repeal the Rwanda program. And it puts Labour then in a tricky position because they're already already deemed the um, pro-immigration party by the electorate and Starmer is vehemently rallying against that, mm-hmm. right? Against that assumption about them. So if he then makes an announcement that he'll repeal the Rwanda programme, will that make them look like they are open borders people?
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because what he's saying is actually like, <laughs> his objections to it in this instance are like that it's not working. Yeah. As we're just giving Rwanda millions of pounds and there isn't yet anyone being deported there. It seems that he mean he mainly objects to it on it's an ineffective plan, not that the planet is in itself bad or immoral. And I think, again, pro-immigration people or people on the left will be quite angry that he's not making the... Pro-immigration argument about this—that this is cruel and this is, yeah, unusual for sure. And
1: it's not even really about it. It's not actually an argument about immigration. No, because it's about
0: one policy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because there's a lot of things being conflated at the moment. So people are people are upset about the three, nearly three quarters of a million people that immigrated net to the UK over the last year, and people's some factions are upset about that. Won't get into those arguments at the moment. The other the argument that we're having here is about small boat crossings, right? Mm So just, just as a little insider tip here, three quarters of a million people didn't travel on small boats to the United (sighs) Kingdom. That's not how it works. And there's also, so this is about putting up a deterrent to stop, apparently the people smugglers bringing, um, asylum seekers across the channel. Now, (laughs) if Starmer was more perhaps more bold and wanted to be more forthright with his immigration policy he would make that distinction Mm -hmm. but it almost seems like he's deliberately obfuscating or being a bit confusing around the whole argument because they haven't fully decided what Labour's policy is going to be going forward
0: yeah no no, I know exactly what you mean um it's also quite I thought the image of a Kagame the Rwandan leader making the like being like he cannot believe his luck Mm-hmm. He's not had to do a single thing. I'm giving him millions and millions. Of, it's real like wallet inspector energy. What's for Rwanda.
1: that? Wallet inspector. Oh, so when that's funny. The
0: idea is, let me inspect your wallet. You take all their cash. The inspect <laughs> Oh, good news, you passed. Or like bridge. I've got a bridge to sell you. That kind of thing. That's great. He's the ultimate wheeler dealer in international relations because he's yeah. not had to do anything yet.
1: Yes. So what they did with this treaty, right, so the, so, so James Cleverly goes over to Kigali and he signs this um, fantastic treaty that essentially <laughs> says Rwanda is a safe place mm-hmm. for asylum seekers. Now, it's so safe, Ed, that within this original £140 million agreement, there is a contingency which means Rwandan asylum seekers will be allowed to come to the UK. Now, I'm not, we're talking in broad, broad strokes here, do you think that a country that has to send out asylum seekers is a safe place to send asylum <laughs> seekers? Just, just on the face of it.
0: Um, I think no, mm. is my answer.
1: So when he brings back this treaty, so he's brought this back, he's got a wonderful piece of paper from uh, Kigali that says Rwanda is incredibly, incredibly safe, takes that to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, arguably, will make the same judgment they made the last time, mm. which is, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, care that you've got a note from your mum. Yeah. This is, it. you know, we've made our decision. <laughs> your
0: mum Rwanda. <laughs>
1: yeah. They tried to get around this as well because, so they weren't quite quick enough the last time. So what they wanted to do was have a UK representative over there at all times um, who would basically be like the the monitor, the the hall monitor, to say, to check that Rwanda were upholding their human rights practices. Um, and they reckoned that if they'd had that in the... Um, the case before it went to the supreme court just this last time that it would have been smooth sailing and it would have gotten through but again if somewhere is so safe why do you need to some- to send someone yeah, to check to make it make safe? Sure.
0: yeah it's ultimate marking your own homework isn't it yeah because everyone's got a vested interest well the two parties assuming this does go ahead both rwanda the rwandan government and the uk government have a vested interest in assuring everybody that there are no human rights violations, mm-hmm. and who's to say that the government appointed? If, unless the mo- monitor is entirely independent, the the hall monitor—that's the official title as well. They'll call it a hall monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, will everyone? Everyone involved has a vested interest in covering up any human rights abuses as well, which yeah. leaves people incredibly vulnerable.
1: But you would make an argument, you know, so say, for example, you you appoint, you appoint this person to go over and be the independent adjudicator, you know, he's going to make sure, whole she's going to make sure, the whole monitor, that everything is going above board and smooth. Do you not think that there might be some chats... Behind closed doors, which is like, listen, pal, we've spent £140 million pound on this. So if you say one fucking thing, I'm going to have a problem Jeremy with Hunt, it.
0: Jeremy Hunt holding him up by yeah. his neck.
1: Yeah, and he's out there in Rwanda being like, it's so fine. It's so <laughs> fine.
0: Living in a compound, like yeah. a Truman Show-esque. Yeah. Everyone in Rwanda so friendly. This yes. is so beautiful.
1: There was actually a, a, a couple, you know, we didn't really get to get, get into it, but there was um, a couple of ministers last week who... So, you know, this whole big meeting that was scheduled with Mitsotaki from Greece, um, there was this like brief moment where ministers were trying to pretend that like Greece and Germany also were interested in a similar scheme to the Rwanda programme and were trying (coughs) to get involved in it. And then when those ministers were pressed even slightly, like, so Germany are going to ship people to Rwanda and they had to be like. No. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: one of them no, said, actually. as a function that's an interesting place. oh you want to do it yeah <laughs> you want to you get involved
1: so there was some discussion that perhaps he would have talked about migration with greece because obviously a lot of um a lot of asylum seekers travel through greece mm-hmm. or travel a lot of them can be found like on cause and those sort of islands when they're we're traveling through from libya um and then they come onwards to more Western Europe, so there was thought there would be a discussion and perhaps even a pact there about what are we going to do about this? Greece, you 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 will take them because listen, my my election figures not good, <laughs> not good. You not help me out. Look after them for a year, then we're fine. Then we're fine.
0: <laughs> then you do it. I'm not sure that's terribly likely
1: because there'll be no more war and um,
0: or climate change.
1: No, no. Next year, it's all good. It's <laughs> fine. We fixed
0: it. Yeah. COP20, glorious success. They've stopped climate change, everybody. Yeah. Which I, I am pro that. Pro. pro. Pro stopping climate change. Oh, not
1: pro climate change. No,
0: no, no, no. Right. You are. That, well, that's why yeah, we don't get on.
1: <laughs> there was um, in this interview I just did with Clive Lewis, who was in here.
0: Oh yeah, that's a great interview.
1: Well, thank you. I said hardly anything. That's why it was good. No. Um, <laughs> he was talking about empire and how the attacks on places like the Caribbean have been threefold. Because first, slavery. Second, we invited them here. And then we did Windrush. And, you know, Mm -hmm. sorry, they were Windrush. We then were like, you're not British citizens. You've got to go back. Um, Right, nice. Thank you very much. The third thing is climate change. So we've basically enjoyed the spoils of, um, well, heating the planet up. And then the countries that are going to be most affected or the first affected are countries that we were uh, taking slaves from jesus christ so you know we're not coming out of this well
0: <laughs> <laughs> let me show uh, you yeah britain's behavior with developing countries it's not great no historically or currently while
1: we're on that as well so Clive gave like these incredibly long, nuanced answers and reasons of or explanations of how we'd go about paying reparations, and he didn't say that specific governments were responsible for it, and he actually said. But he, he gave this whole explanation of why, you know, there are people in parts of the country who are on the breadline here and we're not doing fantastically well. And those people's taxes shouldn't have anything to do with this. He was saying that the big companies and conglomerates who have profited out of empire should bear the responsibility of it. Mm. Fantastic answer. Put this video up on YouTube and the first comments were like, I don't see why <laughs> I should have to pay. No one said that.
0: <laughs> I think that's, uh, what. yeah, watch the, watch the full video. Yeah. Don't just read the headline. That's good advice for contributing old journalism.
1: There is that, isn't there? I Twitter think. tried to get us to do that. What? Do you remember when it was like, oh, before you retweet this, do you want to read the article? No. And then you'd get all those like, snobby journalists being like, oh, I wrote the article. <laughs> Shut up.
0: Yes, <laughs> indeed. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: Not another one?
0: It's the Politics Show cast. Of course, Madam Deputy Speaker, it's not just in relation to Margaret Thatcher, where the Tory and Labour leader appear to agree. The same is true of the government's latest migration policies. Now, for those of us on these benches, we aren't afraid to say that we believe migration is a good thing. Yeah. It enriches... It enriches our communities, it enriches our economy, it enriches our universities, our schools, our health service and, of course, our care sector. So in that regard, can I ask the Prime Minister, why does he think it is acceptable to ask people to come to these shores to care for our family members whilst we show complete disregard for theirs? What has become of this place? That was a a good PMQ for Stephen Flynn, I would say. Absolute... He got both Starmer and Sunak in his line with them with about how, do, how it would feel to lose to a Thatcher, right? As mm-hmm. a conservative that was I thought it was very funny. But I think this was also, once again, Stephen Flynn or the SNP making the case that I think a lot of people on the left would like to see Starmer make. Basically just saying, I think migration is a good thing. Here's why. Yeah, Which is becoming more and more uncommon in mainstream politics.
1: Well, he also, he, it's also the sort of, the moral argument for not demonizing people who have immigrated, I- migrated here mm. previously, right? Because whenever this conversation comes up, um, the conversation tends to be, well, what are they contributing anyway? And let's be realistic here. Most of the people that we know and interact with, my, myself included, you, I don't know, were you always from Scotland?
0: But, well, I was Irish
1: Right. Okay you know, a first, second, third generation immigrant. Mm It's like, I'm going to shock you here, guys. Not everyone has been here forever. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone has moved. But yeah, the conversation always turns to, well, how much are they contributing anyway? And how can I other them Mm -hmm. during this particular political debacle? Mm -hmm. And actually, it's sort of like, it's just, it's pretty distasteful.
0: No, it's extremely distasteful. And Flynn has managed to paint himself as... Liberal pro-immigration and not a Thatcherite, which I think will do quite well in Scotland. I think those are two positive things yeah? to, the, to a Scottish electorate.
1: Well, that's strange to me because I thought they would have loved Thatcher <laughs>
0: <though>. <laughs> No, actually, believe it or not, there is a massive... They're going to rename Edinburgh Thatcher-bra. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Well, then at least the Americans might be able to pronounce it then. Oh, no, it's the bra that they struggle, they with. struggle with.
0: The, the Edinburgh thing is fine. What
1: about thatch?
0: That Thatch? That's good. thatch go.
1: That should go. That's very nice. Yeah. Um, close all of the <coughs> shops in Edinburgh.
0: Close all of the pits, bruh.
1: That's no, because we've got the bruh problem again, haven't we? Oh, shit. Yeah. Edin, pits no more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mining is immoral. Yeah. And you should be.
1: Edin, don't watch Billy Elliot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Edin, Billy Elliot sucks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good.
0: Fort. William Elliot sucks.
1: Should we call Stephen now and let
0: him know? <laughs> We've got him a policy. <laughs> should we
1: get him on speaker? Uh, Stephen. Maybe Douglas.
0: Well, in actuality, I think Douglas Ross would be much more. Open to you do you love
1: Douglas, Douglas? Ross. Why? Or as they call, call you call him, Douglas Margaret
0: Ross. <laughs> <laughs> We've had so many goes at a good pun, and not one of them.
1: Not one of them has <laughs> landed.
0: No. If, it, if maybe it, we
1: should close them.
0: like the like the (laughs) hunt
1: oh that's shit isn't
0: it yeah that was bad but we could if anyone has any better ideas for a thatcher scotland pun then let us know
1: yeah anyway so another real we haven't really gotten into it yet but one thing i've really enjoyed over the past couple of days is the home office admitting that you need to earn thirty eight thousand seven hundred pounds to live well in the United <laughs> Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Which is significantly more than the median wage. Absolutely. Um. said, so, oh, babe, so, uh, so you agree? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wages are too low. So, what's the mean girls thing? It's like, um,
1: oh, so, so you agree? So you agree you're pretty? Yeah. I think, yeah. You think you're really pretty?
0: It's quite, quite, rebe- oh, we're going to overshow anti migration. We're, so we're going to show our about the cost of living.
1: Yeah. That's exactly that. You cannot afford to have a family here if you are on our minimum wage.
0: (laughs) No one can. Yeah. That's the (laughs) problem. That's the problem.
1: Oh. Um, Sorry.
0: Oh. Oh. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh my God. I've just been, oh, I've just been reading this I finally got to the end of this report. Yeah. Things are really bad. Yeah.
1: 34% poverty in some constituencies. Oh. Alex really was serving Cunningham. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That was good. Right, thank you. Um,
1: but yeah, um, that's actually... Um, well, oh, that was the, the other thing. So companies were able to pay workers 20% less than the going rate for jobs if they were on a shortage of occupation list. So... I actually need the shortage occupation list to check this. But hypothetically, say if you were if you were inviting someone to come over here to be a nurse, mm. and perhaps that starting salary was twenty seven thousand pounds, that would mean that you'd be allowed to bring them in here for what twenty four thousand mm-hmm. pounds,
0: something like that.
1: Twenty four thousand pounds. You're going to you're going to bring a nurse from another country where they are probably earning significantly more, and try to entice them to work in our NHS, which is already a pretty Dismal place, dismal in some cases, place to work or difficult place to work is mm. probably a better, a better well, way of no, phrasing that for that amount of money.
0: But think about like the brain drain, like doctors going to Australia where they're paid so much more and the work-life balance yeah. is like incredible. Yeah. So I, they're, they're, they're learning the, ro- the wrong lessons again.
1: But, yeah, but we've got to be careful with the Australian <laughs> argument because this really lends itself to Labour's plan, which is to partly privatise parts of the NHS, right? So, yeah. Yeah. West Streeting's big, we'll clear the backlog by putting by getting operations done in private hospitals. Mm-hmm. All the PFIs. They love all that.
0: And sending everyone to Bondi Beach.
1: But what I mean is Australia is a bad model for that. Didn't West Streeting just get back from New Zealand? I think he might have gone to New Zealand to to check out how their healthcare system works. Oh, really? And he came back being like very nice and it's partly privatised.
0: Yeah. But then I suppose there's not there's not many through the public models to learn from, I guess.
1: Well, why don't we be the trendsetter? No, I, no I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. But I think if you're looking for inspiration, like like for like inspiration, you'd be quite hard done by. But
1: that's why we were world leading at one point. Yeah, no, yeah, And yeah. that's why it was such a fantastic system. The Okay, another thing that I wanted to pick up on on this immigration um, new legislation or new points, sorry, not point system anymore, is... The surcharge to use the NHS, which is going up significantly. Mm -hmm. How do you police that? How do you police that someone's got to pay the NHS surcharge? Because presumably if me or you walked into, I don't know, Guy's and St. Thomas's Mm -hmm. later this afternoon, hopefully not. God, touch wood. Touch wood. um, No one's going to ask us to pay anything. So, I mean, how does this work? Is it, is it an honest system? Is it that you presumably, have turn up, you, you say, oh, I'm getting treatment today, by the way, I need to pay this NHS surcharge?
0: On, I've not had, I, thankfully I'm, I'm not had to
1: use it. Or, or prove that you have paid it, because you have to pay it, don't you, mm-hmm. annually. Do you take your piece of paper to say, here it is, I've paid for it? Because presumably, they, if they ask us for one, we're not going to have that piece of paper mm-hmm. because we don't pay it.
0: Yes. I wonder if it's i uh, wh- I've not had to use NHS beyond a GP, thankfully, for a really long time, but I m- Until imagine... Until now.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was just... <laughs> it just broken my nose. Um, <laughs> would you have to declare I'm not a citizen on the forum or something like that? Well, that's like what that? I mean. Yeah.
1: Is it an honest system? Is that what it is? Yeah.
0: Honesty
1: box. What, what are those things <laughs> called?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, an on- like, you know, when you're in the countryside and there's eggs. Like yeah, I, eggs. On but a always... or like an in an honesty box, eggs, take that one, That freaks leave me one. out so much, by the way. What honesty boxes are Eggs. Eggs. Just in general,
1: because of Edwina Curry,
0: right? Because they're yeah. very quite long expiry days.
1: Yeah, but I don't trust that now because no, of her. C-
0: because of Edwina Curry.
1: Yeah, um, so I will like buy a box of eggs and then eat like six eggs in like twelve hours. <laughs> <That's> <laughs>
0: absolutely insane. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm that's, go actually, off. that's actually quite mean. Yeah. Do you know who Sam, Su- Sam Sulek is? Who's
1: that?
0: He is this like roided out TikToker. He's like twenty two and built, like, three The Rocks. And he, like...
1: Three The Rocks? Yeah,
0: like, that's how, like, massive he is. Like, he's, like...
1: Oh, he is the size of three rocks.
0: Three Dwayne Johnsons. Yeah, 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 I'm with you. So, he... That's something he would eat, is my point. But basically, he's just, like pushing himself well, to, to extremes. And yeah, I think, I think Curry, he will die it fierce, very early. spread
1: everywhere, didn't it? So he's worried about <laughs> it as well.
0: He's Sam Sulek is yeah. extremely worried, thanks to Edwina Curry.
1: But then I guess the offshot was that, was that he got really big because Edwina Curry put the fear of God into him about eggs.
0: <laughs> Thank God. It's the Politics Show cast.
1: Sir Champion. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. The government is set to close the household support scheme in March cutting off crucial free meals for 12,000 Rotherham's children in the lowest-income families. With the government's cost-of-living crisis in full swing and energy prices about to increase again, how does the Prime Minister justify taking food from the mouths of my poorest children?
0: Sarah Champion there. Um, What did you make of her point, Eva?
1: Right, so, OK, the reason I thought this was interesting... So she's talking about how in uh, her constituency, there's been crucial free meals have been given to 12,000 of Rotherham's children in the lowest income families. Um, the prime minister is about to close the household support scheme in March, mm-hmm. or there hasn't been any... The way that these schemes work is that you vote on it and it will last for a certain amount of time and then you'll have to bring in new legislation to to keep it rolling, right? That was how the free school meals program mm-hmm. worked. So when... so. Y- You know, when uh, Marcus Rashford did the big campaign for free school meals, it wasn't that the government had cut off the free school meals. It's just that they hadn't renewed the program. Right. So he hasn't renewed this program. But I thought this was interesting because I was thinking about what James cleverly said the other week when Alex Cunningham was raising the point that 34 percent of his of children in his constituency are considered to be in poverty. And whether he said shithole or shit MP, whatever, that's irrelevant right now. It was the disdain that he showed for that statistic. And it's it's sort of like, how can you know or be aware of a program that is having to feed 12,000 children mm. because they physically can't eat otherwise mm. and you're not all over it? Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah,
0: it's, 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 again, I think they're going to make a massive misstep like they did with Rashford is that people, even probably the most hot, evil person in this country, can extend their empathy to children. Mm-hmm and feeding them and making sure they don't die of starvation. Yeah. I think that's maybe the base level we can hope that the um, safety net in this country can, that the nanny state in this country can achieve.
1: Yeah, because you've also got this, and I'm going to conflate two really big ideas right now. Can't wait. But you've got this resurgence of national conservatism, right, in the Tory party, and you've got the the pro-lifers who are coming out. Where are the pro-lifers now that the children who are here are hungry? No. Right?
0: The thing about the pro is it speaks to what I said last time they love the bump they don't love the woman right they don't really the child beyond once it, once it be, 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 goes out uterus mm-hmm. not their problem anymore mm-hmm. they have to sustain that child excuse me they have to stay sustain the bump for nine months and then yeah job done not that's, a child until it's born yes I agree with that but, yeah. that's, but <laughs> that's the argument that they would make
1: that's why you can like it <laughs> Before it's born,
0: <laughs> but um, um, that's there's it's a classic trope like pro life stuff is that they don't they they want to make sure it can survive the first nine months of conception. Yeah, but beyond that, it's not really their it's not not their problem. i I think they would say
1: we should do more on abortion. I always find that totally fascinating because it's always some wild Catholic who says something like Jesus, well, sorry, God knew you in the womb before. Mm. You knew yourself or whatever. And it's like, yeah, Jesus also did like 500 loaves of bread. Like, <laughs> I, I'm a Catholic. I know that the Bible is really a reference point, okay? This, I don't want to hurt you, Judith, but I don't actually think that there were 5,000 fish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think also, so I'm going to get, just to be a wee bit west of Scotland, it's not just Catholics who do it. There are like militant offshoots of the Church of Scotland who yeah. picket abortion clinics. Throughout the country.
1: Yeah, well, you've, you've picketed many, haven't you? Not
0: even a bit true. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Get out of my pub! It's the Politics Show Gen- cast.
1: Big Fletcher. Thank you, Madam Deputy yeah. Speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yesterday, 13 men died by suicide. Today, 88 men will die of heart disease. Tomorrow, and every day, 90,000 men will wake up in prison. And we have 2.2 million boys living today at home with no dad. We thankfully have an excellent cabinet minister for women. We have an excellent minister for women. So will the Prime Minister meet with me to discuss the merits of a minister for men and boys? Because as Warren Farrell states, one-one sex losers, both sex lose. So that was Nick Fletcher there making a call for a minister for men to be appointed. Um. This is something that comes up a lot when it co- people talk about men's mental health and stuff like that. Why isn't there a specific minister representing the issue? I well,
1: before you object to it, let's just talk about how Nick Fletcher has been campaigning for this. Yes, yes. for many years, and actually, he has sort of he's he's led um, a very compelling campaign, which is there are sky ro- skyrocketing figures for male suicide, and it's not paid attention to that also feeds in to the sky rotting, sky rotting, skyrocketing mental health figures for children. Millions of children are waiting for prescriptions at the moment. You also have women who are waiting treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, Millions of people. We, we are in a chronic mental health crisis. This is probably the most compelling argument for a minister for men. And if it was specifically to target that issue, the issue of male loneliness, the issue of, you know, Male, male depression, male suicide, it would be interesting.
0: But mm. you're
1: going to tell me it's not.
0: So <laughs> I'm not going to no, know. I, I think it's my whole kind of objection to this is, I, so I'm, I don't think there needs to be a minister for men. I think all the things he talks about are so 30 men today, yesterday, 30 men died by suicide. Today, 88 men will die of heart disease. That exists within the brief of the health minister. There's um, 90,000 men will wake up in prison. That's justice. All these things are already covered. And I think something like...
1: Home, I think it would be, actually.
0: Excuse me. Okay, home.
1: Because home would deal with the sentencing, wouldn't yes,
0: it? Yes, yes. But as know, it's, it's al- there's already someone
1: but doing yeah, it, is my point. I appreciate your point. I just didn't want any, any naysayers <laughs> picking you.
0: Um, but I think with such an epidemic of men's mental health, what actually would help is massive societal overhaul. We, in our, like, in our, we would need better jobs, better, and a better education system, better health system, a sense of community back. And if we just appoint a minister for men who they're not going to strip the powers of, uh, they're not just going to say to the health minister, oh, you're only responsible for women and non-binary people mm. that like John's got men. It's so easy, it'd be so easy to, for, every time this is brought up, the issue of men, men's issues, the government can just say, oh, don't worry, the Minister for Men is on it. And it's, it's instead of actually solving it, it's a way to just plaster over it, saying, oh, it's, we are doing something. So unless they give this person, probably make this person the most powerful politician or minister in the country, I actually don't think it would achieve very much.
1: I think your plaster over comment is really interesting because it's an oversimplification of the issue, isn't it? It's sort of like men are dying, we need a minister for them. It's, it's a much broader yeah. broader picture, right? So you're right, so wage stagnation is huge, mm-hmm. right? Is the minister of men going to deal with that? The, lack, the, the, the level of underemployment that we yeah. have in this country, the fact that you know, 20 years ago... You could work a minimum wage job and you could go on holiday in the summer. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that at the moment. Well? You know there there are so many factors that are contributing to the decline in people's mental health mm-hmm. or people's ge- people's general well being. Mm-hmm. That's probably the better way of saying it, isn't it? Because you can't, yeah. Because mental illness isn't isn't always directly cor- correlated to your surroundings. Also, in some cases, it is. Mm-hmm.
0: Like it's, comp- it's complicated, it's nuanced, yeah. and I think that's what this doesn't reckon with. It's also, as well, I think, in general, mental health campaigning in this country is so, it doesn't want to reckon with the extremely ugly bits. It doesn't want to reckon, it wants to say, it's okay to talk to a mate. And that's where it stops. That's what the public, that's where the conversation is. It's have a chat with your friends about your feelings. But what if...
1: Mate.
0: But as, but as, so if I, I turn to you, I open up to you, and mm. I describe... Suicidal ideation, like psychosis, extremely extreme, extreme mental health issues. Genuinely, what are you equipped to do? Beyond point, refer me to say, oh, you should probably talk to someone more.
1: Well, then but the NHS is very de- good at dealing with crisis. It's very good at dealing with broken legs, and, yeah. you know, fractured skulls and people who are experiencing extreme suicidal mm. thoughts. The problem is, is if you are, if you are, you're not in a position where you're going to take your own life in the next couple of days. Yes, yeah, that's true, actually. If you are doing okay, mm-hmm. but not well, yeah. that's when you get put onto an extremely long waiting list or you have to try and fight for an appointment with your GP. That's when you're in kind of no purgatory mm. of mental health help, right?
0: That's what I, I think. My, my I think this whole thing for me is informed by... Ollie and I went up to Scotland two years ago and we made a video about um, deaths of despair in Scotland. I think we talked about it on the podcast before. But in a conversation... A man called Ricky Fraser, who had son had died by suicide three weeks previously, he said, "I hate all this. Talk to a mate, shite. What do What do you do if nothing can come out? What do you do if that? I think I think it's which which I think is at the heart of this. As it, it's so, this is I think this is such a superficial measure in an attempt to, in an attempt to tackle such such a crisis." such a boy there is, like there is a, a mental health epidemic in, in this country amongst men and men do have really serious gender specific issues i just don't think this is would have any effect
1: mhm it's also once you get if you got the minister for men what do you think they're going to do do you think suddenly the government are going to suddenly take mental health services seriously they're going to suddenly or give them any
0: money as exactly well. gonna... that's
1: what i mean they're going to say poor it would cost billions yeah. and they don't do it. And uh, that money should be spent. I'm not like... Yeah, no, many, I agree. You know, yeah, I'm of a, course you should. We, you know, we've argued many times that there should be a minister specific to mental health in this country that is actually, you know...
0: I also disagree with that something. for Why? the same reason. We had the conversation, conversation before.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Why did you disagree with that? Because I think
0: it's within the provision of the health ministry.
1: I don't. I think that it's... I think it's... um I think it's so serious mm-hmm. that I don't think that it can be tackled within the the broad church of the health yeah. health department. I think we're just I think we're on the cusp of something because if you want to if you're even looking at it from a a, a purely small C conservative Tory government mm-hmm. approach, you and you're concerned about the economy. Productivity is severely impacted by mental health, right? Mm-hmm. We ju- I just read actually a couple of weeks ago that there was um, there was a couple of hundred percent rise in people taking time off work because of their mental health issues. Mm-hmm. That is something that feeds directly into productivity. So mm-hmm. you could make quite a good Tory argument mm-hmm. for pouring money into mental health services because you get that money back yep. in the economy, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. they're going to work. Um, but even like on a more nanny state argument when we're talking, talking about the smoking ban, or I even had a, I had a debate earlier on channel five about whether people who were morbidly obese should pay for their own NHS treatment, which I don't agree with at all. You could, oh wait, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. Those are two huge cost drains on the economy and mm-hmm. on the NHS, right? Smoking and obesity. Mm-hmm. If, you're going, if you're going to try and recoup money, by eradicating both of those things, mm-hmm. then you should also be looking at mental health.
0: Yeah, but I, but, I think, but I think my worry about it again is it'd be a purely, it's all fart no poo. It's as in, we have this.
1: Excuse me.
0: <laughs> as, as, and we have the, there's, oh, we have a Minister for Mental Health. Isn't that great? They're not given any power. Oh, oh, if they're given the powers and provision and the resources to deal with it, yes, sick, that could, they could be the new Bevin, But like, they won't be. I think, and, and I think it's just an easy cop out for governments to say, "Oh, look, we're doing it." It was like it's like when, for, like, Doctor yeah. Alex was appointed the mental health ambassador, czar. something, czar, yeah, it was the, the czar, yeah, yeah. He so was, the, and he was, he was given land. I specifically
1: in... remember because it pissed me off. So much. <laughs> <laughs> he was
0: given land in Siberia as well, but um, I think it's just appointing a person as oh, it's their job is such a cop out. If that person isn't given actual power and responsibility. Then it's, it's well shy. yeah we've
1: had I've had several conversations with them, a spad at the Department for Health because they've wanted us to come and cover some of the new like a couple of things that they've been opening like mental health services mm-hmm. or whatever. When you actually delve into what they've done, it's it doesn't touch the sides, mm-hmm. and yeah. I've had the same conversation with them every time, which is like, I will come and have a look at it, but I'm not doing you a puff yeah, PR yeah, yeah. piece on sure. it. Like I'll tell you what the you know the actual story it, if I think it is adequate, but also if you are going to suddenly free up a billion pounds and do something quite serious mm-hmm. all over it let's yeah. do it let's go
0: yeah you know and i'll then i'll shake your freaking men's minister's hand i will maybe i'll be it
1: yeah maybe i will
0: maybe i'll join the conservative government
1: got an opening for a czar around
0: here. <laughs> we're the czar and czarina of mental health yeah <laughs> um should we call it there
1: yeah also th- we'll have that george george not george Jeff Norcott interview. Should yes, come out. yeah, you did and do we that. do talk about Nick Fletcher, the minister for men. We yes. recorded it a few weeks ago. Yeah, that should come out.
0: I look forward to listening. Thank and you. Shouting at my phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Thank you, Eva. Um, we are recording our hundredth episode tomorrow, and we are we are trying to get some questions to answer from the audience, so you can submit them on if you leave a comment on. Probably not this podcast, but the po- the, the most recent podcast. Or well,
1: the Reddit's the best place them. to put it. Reddit is
0: the best place to put it, or on Spotify, yeah. or DMs on Twitter. The, the variety of questions is very interesting. I think some very good, some very bad. Mm-hmm. I would say so. Try and not try and have the best question. Don't try and have the worst one.
1: Yeah, you can have a funny question, but don't yeah. make it like something we can't answer.
0: Yes, don't make it. I wouldn't, don't make it race baiting either. That's a word for. With, with advice
1: there's someone who's done a really good three paragraph starmer question
0: yes yeah, that detailed. i really like yeah
1: go and find that person copy that's that the format. caliber
0: that is the a star caliber of questions they
1: are up there yeah they are inside ed they are so high up what did you mean by that <laughs> <laughs>
0: i'm only five foot eight so that's like not that high either
1: <laughs> well
0: Yeah, height reveal on pod. Well, okay. Yeah, Ava's four foot two. Yeah. So that's okay, cool. What? (laughs) We'll leave it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather
1: goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part?